0: Yes, hello there and welcome to another episode of the show. I'm delighted to have you with me today for another great show. And on the ProcureTech podcast, we are all about bringing you content that is fun and innovative of everything out there in the procurement space. We're definitely not going to bring you a show that is dull and boring. So without any further ado, we're going to be carrying on this week with our mini theme, of e-sourcing platforms. This is the third in a series of five e-sourcing platforms that we're going to help to showcase for you so as you can differentiate between them and understand which one may be the best solution for your business because no two businesses and no two requirements from a procurement tech best-of-breed platform are necessarily the same. So on today's episode, what we're going to look at is how an e-sourcing requirement or functionality can be married together with other upstream and downstream areas of functionality, kind of like a hybrid between a best-of-breed solution and an actual all-in-one suite, and some of the pros and cons of that approach and what it can potentially give you in an organization. If you're maybe looking for something that perhaps isn't a sandbox solution that only does e-sourcing and has a little bit of functionality both on the upstream and the downstream side to uh, complement that. So without any further ado, it's now time to introduce you to this week's guest on the show. So David Wadler of Vendorful, welcome to the ProcureTech podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Good way to start the morning (laughs) and indeed it is early in the morning for you so (laughs) let's jump straight in what what's your background david because when we were chatting previously you said you'd lived in france before so tell us a little bit how you came into the space of procurement tech software
1: sure so there's the how do i get into procurement and what's my background and uh, those those can be different questions I, was, I spent most of my 20s as a professional itinerant. I, I really did not w- know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had a bunch of different jobs. I had a literary agent. I, I worked in sales. I, I worked in writing. I, I was a personal trainer for a, for a spell, although to look at me now, you would never have any idea. Uh, I also kind of randomly decided to, to move to Paris. I uh, did not speak French at the time. I got a job there as a software engineer, learned French, and had a wonderful experience. And, uh, you know, as I was 29, I was, you know, back in New York City and working a a terrible job, uh, decided that I hated it and would rather succeed or fail on my own. So I I started a software company. I did not know anything about starting a business, but I learned as I went and I ended up selling it, you know, a few years later to Lexmark, uh, the printer company, which at the time was trying to Recast themselves as a software plus hardware play, and literally on the first day uh, after you know doing a lot of calls with the press, I, I got a call from the IT department asking me to review some some contracts that they had with a, a you know provider of services in a space I knew very very well, and so I had some domain expertise. They asked me to review the contracts, and I found out we were paying about a seven hundred percent premium uh, on these services. And uh, that began the day my uh, procurement journey started. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, this got escalated all the way to the CIO uh, who, you know, asked me to meet with him in, in San Francisco and uh, sat down with him and he said, I'd like you to help clean up a bunch of, of our IT spend. And um, you know, I'd been on the other side of this, right, as a, as a provider, services, a vendor, filling out RFPs, you know, responding and, and trying to win business. And, and I would complain about it, but what I saw on the other side, and this was specifically on the sourcing side, is the procurement part of it was just far worse. You know, everything that I complained about as a, as a vendor filling out an RFP was, was multiplied by you know, the number of stakeholders engaged, the number of vendors engaged you know, on, the, on the buy side. And, uh, you know, I complained about it and then I said, well, I can complain about it or I can try to fix it. And here we
0: are. And it's always good when people like you come up with solutions because the world ultimately becomes a better place because there's more competition and more choice in terms of procurement software. But on that note, Vendorful is not a traditional e-sourcing tool, even though I've included it in this series for simplicity and comparison you cast a much wider net in terms of the functionality of Vendorful. So can you maybe talk us a little bit through that in terms of the integrated solutions that you have both upstream and downstream as as part of Vendorful and, and what you see that as a, as a market segment in and of itself?
1: Sure. So just a little bit of additional context. <clears throat> when we started this business, the Uh, The idea was actually to build a tool, uh, very, very narrow, specifically for sourcing IT. And we're going to give that tool away for free. Um, So it's RFX for IT, give it away for free, and and mine the data and monetize the data. And what we we found out was that free is the F word among sourcing professionals. (laughs) So... um, you know, we would have very, very protracted conversations about our business model, why we make money, how long it'll, you know, how we'll make money, how long it will take us to be able to make money, have enough data, et cetera. And, you know, we realized at a certain point we were trying to sell a free product and that is not a place you want to be. So we, we put a price tag on it and then the, the conversation changed and people wanted features. We started, you know, meeting those, those needs And we changed our approach 180 degrees and we started a process called, we call customer driven development. So we don't build features because we think they're cool. We build features that people ask for because we know with 100% certainty that they're valuable and they'll be used. And this began the evolution of the the product from pure e-sourcing, actually from specifically to, you know, pure e-sourcing of IT to broader e-sourcing to to including these upstream and downstream features. And now what we call ourselves is vendor lifecycle management. We would also happily call it supplier lifecycle management, but we're vendorful, not supplierful. So uh, (laughs) we use the word vendor. Got to stay on brand, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So we use those terms interchangeably. So what we were discovering is that, you know, a lot of the the processes uh, that we were addressing, uh, you know, from a perspective of sourcing, had been, you know, basically been carried out in, in email and Excel. And, and this was, was true whether or not it was a, a mid-market company that, that didn't invest in a, a third-party you know, solution. And also in many cases, these were larger organizations which had invested in third-party solutions, uh, and and you know, names that our listeners here would would know but found the, the tools so clunky and cumbersome that it was just easier to do it with Excel, Word, and email. And what we found is that the onboarding process and the data maintenance process and all that, that stuff also was the often being carried out using the same kind of Microsoft Office approach. And we've you know, had to go through this ourselves because we get onboarded. We become a vendor to these companies. And what would happen is they'd say, oh, we need to onboard you. You need to send us tax documentation. You need to send us a certificate of insurance. You need to send us you know, these four other documents. And then we're going to send you, you know, a bunch of Excel files, and you're going to have to fill those out. So I asked one of these people, I said, what do you do with this information when we send it back to you? I said, oh, we, we key it into the ERP. I said, when you say key it into the ERP, do you mean you are manually uploading those documents and you're manually like copying and pasting or retyping the information in? They said, yes. So, well, uh, how do you refresh that data? Well, we have an Excel document that we maintain. And in the Excel document, we, we keep track of like when your certificate of insurance is gonna expire. I said, this is, this is madness. And um, we ended up you know, being very interested in this, had a customer that said, we actually don't run RFPs, but we love your solution. They, they contacted for something else and they said, can we get A? And I said, no, but I can show you B. And B was the RFP management stuff. And uh, they, they pushed us to build basically the, the first you know vendor management module, first iteration of that. And as we've continued to, to build this out, uh, we now handle a lot more stuff. So we are, in many cases, the point of onboarding for our our customers, their supply base onboards through Vendorful. And Vendorful will then synchronize that data back to the ERP. Um, and then we're actually working on something now we're we're going to be basically synchronizing to multiple systems and basically be the traffic cop. So if data changes in any system, it gets synced to Vendorful and then we push the, those changes out to the other systems as well, just to make sure everything stays in alignment. Uh, we started building bunch of stuff around tracking performance. So again, this is data that is you know maybe stored in the ERP, but is not as accessible uh, as people would like. So you know, the process is pull the data out of the ERP, load it into Tableau or Power BI, build reports, and then email those reports to your boss. And now we can just generate those reports like on the fly. You just go in, you click down, drill down the supplier you're in question, boom, you see the data. Build a report comparing supplier A to B to C, um, spend data, the ability to tag and track that, contracts, all of those things, you know, can live in vendorful. So what, what you'll notice is conspicuously absent is POs, requisitions, and those things. And you know, we think that the, the P2P market is, is pretty robust at this point. So we will often be brought in next to an ERP or next to a P2P system to basically address the gaps or the functionality that don't do quite as well as we do, but we are certainly not looking to rip and replace those. We wanna drive more value and more return on the existing investment there.
0: So, I mean, you've kind of answered then what my my next question was gonna be, which is, why wouldn't a potential customer go out and buy an enterprise-level source-to-contract suite that have been out on the market for years and years as opposed to vendorful? So, I mean, I guess if if you're not covering the more sort of transactional P2P cycle, I suspect there must be a pretty big price difference between your offering and what, let's call them, the first-generation (laughs) source-to-contract suites are offering, which, let's face it, you know, they have their pros, they have their cons, but they're aimed more sure. at enterprise level clients, right?
1: Yep. You're a hundred percent correct. So, and and we do have under enterprise level clients, and, but as I mentioned, we are not a standalone solution there. And so we're, we're an augmentation. Uh, as you go down market a bit, uh, you know, it's sort of the, the you know, lower mid market. We might be the only tool that they have uh, from an e-procurement perspective, but you you are also hundred percent correct on on pricing. Uh, The the kind of fat part under the curve for us is about $50,000 to $150,000 per year U.S. Um, And most of these other tools, particularly when you sell them to enterprises, are millions of dollars. The other big difference for us is we've made well under 1% of our revenue on on, uh, professional services. The reason is we do what we call, again, customer-driven development. So what that means is we are constantly improving the product. We typically do about two to three releases per week based on customer feedback. We don't charge for those features. The only time we've ever charged for features was with a top 20 global bank. who said, we have some very, very specific things that we need, and we knew we were not going to be able to sell those uh, new features to other customers. So it was really one-off development and we charged them. But outside of that, we have we have never charged for development. We do not charge for implementation and deployment. If you signed a contract with me now, James, you would have an account in in five to 10 seconds. And I would show you how to use the system and you would be getting value in 30 to 60 minutes. Right. So it's a it's a whole different sales cycle, it's a whole different price point, and it's a whole different user experience. What we're really doing is delivering something that feels like consumer software, right? To to the enterprise. And, and one of our quote unquote competitors, these big enterprise things, they're not really competitors, looked at my product and said, oh my God, you guys have built like a Google Docs for procurement. I'm like, that's, <laughs> okay, that's I'll take it. Yeah. That's that's much more the experience.
0: So, just a quick interlude because there are a couple of things that I really want to make you aware of because I think they will be valuable for you. So, number one, we now have a monthly newsletter where we bring you curated content of everything that's happening in the digital procurement space. If you want to get that, just head to procuretechpodcast.com forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and we'll get that delivered straight to your inbox. Number two, if you're ahead of of procurement or a center of excellence leader, and you're perhaps a little bit confused or overwhelmed with what's out there as best of breed digital procurement technology, especially if you're a mid-sized business, schedule a call with me. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes in this episode. Just hit that schedule a call link and we can have a quick chat to understand your challenges and what potential solutions out there may be suitable for your organization. And now let's get right back to this week's show. If these sort of traditional enterprise-level source-to-contract suites—I mean, I've seen it in my own eyes—in terms of LinkedIn, they're starting to position themselves now more towards going after the mid-market. What would, other than price, what would, what would differentiate yourselves from them? Because if they, if they have the marketing budget and the brand behind them. There's the risk, isn't there, that they could eat you for breakfast if they're going after your typical market segment?
1: Sure. So I think that there, there's there's a few ways we win. One way we win is we're a new product. So we don't have years and years and years of like enterprise debt. Um, and what, what, what I mean by debt is not financial debt. I mean technical debt. And so we're built on top of a modern framework. It's all natively collaborative. There's built-in, for example, video conferencing. You can click a single button. You don't have to go and set up your Zoom or your Teams or your whatever, your WebEx. You literally, we have chat in the app. It was, chat was one of the first features we added because we have all this natural native real-time capability and we added a button that said video chat. The entire user experience, as I said, feels like consumer software and so from the perspective of adoption again when when we are going into an enterprise and sitting side by side by you know source to contract suite invariably that source to contract suite's going to have an rfp module i i, I, I will i will keep specific names out of this but we had a, a fortune 500 retailer contact us with a an unsolicited rfp it was it was very large and um, we 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 pushed through it we admitted it, and we made it to the finals. We ultimately ended up winning the business. But when we, when we went for the site visit, this is pre-COVID, they said, well, you know that we use X. We're one of the largest X deployments in North America. I said, well, the, why would you use us? They said, you can't do in their system what you can do in yours. Uh, they said it's, you know, they call it an RFP module but it's a quoting tool and it doesn't allow us to do the the, sort of the strategic Mm -hmm. complex uh, spend that we need to do so there's so the two things are number one no enterprise cruft which basically means that we deliver a better user experience it's just easier to use our product you don't need a phd you don't need tons of training you don't need you know six months to onboard Um, our pricing model is also different we don't charge by seat which also encourages, you know, would broader adoption. The last thing is, we don't claim to do sixty-five different things. We do like five or six different things, and that allows us to do those things very, very well. If we were going to be broad rather than deep, um, we would actually just start to look like those other companies. So we have we have some lines that we've drawn about what we will and we won't do. Like we're never like we have a contract repository with uh, some metadata management, et cetera, we're never gonna be iCertus. iCertus is an amazing contracts product, right? And, and, and they have competitors that have amazing contracts products. But, you know, the stuff that we do, we do really, really well. And RFPs is a part of that, uh, onboarding is part of that, Supplier performance is part of that.
0: So why wouldn't a customer then go out and buy an e sourcing suite and a contract management suite and a and a, and a spend analytics suite and a, and an SRM and an SRM suite as as separate sort of best of breed tools? What what's the what's the obvious downside in doing that?
1: We do think the market is moving more towards best of breed, but let's we like to think in terms of a mini suite. Um, you know, I know that, it, but I, because I have to. You know I, I'm, a, I'm a buyer of, of technology. I'm a buyer of other services all the time and and have been you know throughout my my startup career, uh, especially as we started to scale and people became interested in the, the dollars that we're going to spend. I, I don't want to have you know what we, we would call like you know 10 throats to choke, right? I, I want to have you know very, very good software. Um, but I don't want to necessarily have 10 things to me that I need to integrate. If I can have two or maybe three, that is a much more palatable solution for me. So, you know, we think, you know, frankly, uh, our view on the, and, and there are going to be companies uh, and probably people you've interviewed who disagreed. We thought that ERFX was too narrow for us to to really build a very large business Similarly, we thought building, you know, sort of the next Ariba was going to be too broad in the current market landscape where people are doing, you know, the best of breed. So we look at Vendorville as sort of like a Goldilocks solution, right? It's not too narrow. It's not a point solution, but it is not an exhaustive, expansive suite where it just becomes very difficult to, to do everything really well. So that that's our, our view is that we will be in that kind of best of breed approach, but that they're probably going to work with two, maybe three providers of service as opposed to 10.
0: And, you know, David, I don't think that's an un- an unreasonable assumption because, you know, I've, I'm doing five of these interviews as part of a mini series of, of e-sourcing platforms and while acknowledging that's not only what you do as, as you've explained as being part of a mini suite, none of these guys, when I've spoken to them and they've obviously asked me the question, Hey, who else are okay. you speaking to? None of them have seen the others as being direct competitors, and that's it. Just goes to show how broad the space is for one and two. How you and the others don't necessarily see each other as competitors. Rather, you're seeing, you know, email and Microsoft Excel as being as being the competitors. And if that is the case, there's a there's a very big market segment to go. Oh, after. There, I mean, There's trillions
1: of dollars of global spend, and again, most of that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know by, you know, by transaction or, or, or purchase decision or whatever, um, or by total dollar amount, perhaps both, a, a huge percentage of it, at the very least, is, is managed using the tools you just described, right, which, which are, are not fit for, for purpose. You know, I, I, one time somebody asked me, well, can I just continue to use Excel? I said, you could. You can also, you know, use a screwdriver or a hammer and nails. It'll work. It's just going to take a long time and um time is the one thing people can't back i can't get back and you know the other thing is there there are hard dollar savings uh that happen when 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 you start to recover time because when you recover time you have more you, you've now you know shifted what you're doing at your time from like very tactical things like copying and pasting things into into or from an excel document is actually evaluating the data and evaluating the landscape and evaluating your spend, so you can have you know more competitive sourcing situations, so you can you know implement corrective action plans actually, not just and and, and actions um, when you see underperformance from a supplier. So all of this kind of I'm going to save a penny stuff because I'm going to continue just do it in Excel. It 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 really doesn't make sense. But yes, back to your point. We, one of the reasons we love this market is it, it is just it's boundless and growing. Um, it's it's like the universe. It's already infinite, but it's expanding in every direction.
0: <laughs> it's certainly expanding in every direction. I've got a database of procurement tech companies that I keep, mainly for personal reasons. Although I'm you know I'm looking to expand that and build that into into, into something that, that that adds value to the wider community. But I am literally updating it every single week. The uh, the obvious next question would be that if you've built this mini suite around uh, around this vendor lifecycle management concept, do you not run the risk then of being too specific? I mean, do you not have someone that comes to you and says, hey, I want an e-sourcing tool that has P2P uh, 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 as a feature?
1: Over time, I don't know where our customers will, will take us uh, in terms of requirements. And it, it is certainly quite possible. Um, it is also quite possible that we proactively uh, build out relationships with companies that do do P2P, where we are very complimentary. Uh, there's one, they'll remain nameless, who has brought us into a few deals because they said, you know, basically the opposite, that, uh, you know, they, they, they were working with uh, some prospects. Those prospects did not have sourcing, did not have any sort of supply management, uh, did not have any sort of performance management for their suppliers. Um, and they said, you know, we, we were basically looked at as too narrow, so we'd like to go and and and, and approach the deal with you. So, yeah, look, over time, I think there's, there's a possibility that we build it. There's also a very strong possibility that we have a bunch of turnkey integrations. And you, you know, put in your API key and check the box, and now it's vendorful plus X right out of the box. And rather than shoving like our P2P uh, down your throat, um, we basically just say, "Look, here's a Lego cache. Now you could take Vendorful plus X, or you can take Vendorful plus Y, or Venderful plus Z." And I said Z for you instead of Z. <laughs> I
0: was going to say,
1: <laughs> I, I don't know where your audience is, but if you have a you know a, a UK bias, they they need to understand me. So yeah, so that's um, and that's kind of the way we we look at it. The, the world of web services and APIs has really made this a wonderful experience for the buyer of these tools because you have so many more choices. I, the downside is paradox of choice, right? You said you have this yeah. expansive and growing thing, and then the number of permutations and combinations that you can address from an integration perspective is getting bigger, too.
0: So, on that note, if anyone would like to learn a little bit more about what it can do and its specific functionality, where is the best place for people to find you or get hold of you?
1: Yeah, they can email me uh, directly uh, and I will I will respond. Uh, I am David at vendorful.com. So, first name at company name.com. And they can also go to the website, which is uh, vendorful.com. And vendorful is, uh, yes, it's a spoof on wonderful. Uh, if we were German, it would have been named Venderbar, like Spuffan Wunderbar, uh, which actually was considered. But yeah, V
0: E N D O R F U L dot com. Uh, and I will link to that as well in the okay. show notes. David, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Sorry to get you up early in the morning there in New York City. Have a great rest of your day. And thanks for being a guest. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It was a fun way to start the day. So that wraps up another great episode of the ProcureTech podcast. Join us again next week where we will be continuing our little mini series on e-sourcing software. Until then, if you like what you hear on the ProcureTech podcast, please go and subscribe to us in your favorite place where you listen to your podcasts or leave us a review on Apple. If you're an iOS user, it helps us get seen by more people. Also, we have a LinkedIn page where we post regular snippets and better of bits from previous episodes so if you just want to get a quick short snippet of something interesting we post regular content on there too just head over and follow us or why not connect with me at the same time i would love to hear who you would want me to get on the podcast as perhaps a future guest until then take care of yourselves wherever you are in the world until next time bye for now